My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday school on low attendance Sunday. So uh, we're uh, glad. That was my best joke today. Sorry. You're not going to laugh at that one. It's not going to get any better. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you trusted your iPhones to do what uh, the late Steve Jobs programmed them to do, which was to actually handle this most complicated of all events, daylight saving time. So glad you're here. If you've got your Bibles, let's open up to Second Thessalonians, and we will read through as we do each week uh, up to and including our text for today. Today's text is 2 Thessalonians 3 uh, verses 1 through 5, so we'll start in 1, 1 and read all the way through uh, 3, 5. The, uh, the Pew Bible that I grabbed this morning for uh, to have up here with me actually has 2 Thessalonians all on one page. Does anybody's physical Bible have 2 Thessalonians all on one page? It's it's pretty small font, but they managed to pull it off. So uh, that, that kind of threw me for a loop when I saw that this morning. I hadn't seen one all on one page. I've seen many on two pages, but I hadn't seen one on one page. So, All right, well, let's get started with Second Thessalonians. We'll start with 1-1 and go to 3-5. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be too soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains 
will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the truth, the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, beloved brethren, by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you that we may be delivered from unreasonable and, un and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Amen. All right, so if you've got your handout, let's uh, go ahead and... I think turn to page 13 in your handout, even though it's a two-page handout. So you know how that works, right? This is a series. This is week five of the series. I love giving a handout, and there's pages 13 and 14 on the handout, and there's just two pages. That, that, that makes my mathematical heart happy. So there's something in there that was deep and sick and wrong about that. Uh, if you want to follow along online with the teacher notes that I'm teaching from this morning, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com. And go to the Read tab, uh, and then come down to Week 5, and there'll be some links there that you can follow. Um, and then today, where we're at, so we've looked at the greeting, God's final judgment and glory, uh, this great apostasy. Uh, and again, we've talked about several times that Paul gives this as a comfort so that the Thessalonians know that um, they have not missed the second coming of Jesus Christ. But everything's okay. Jesus has not come back. He gives them the encouragement last week to stand fast and to hold on to the traditions. Um, and I have a habit of, about once or twice a month, listening to the entire uh, teaching that I deliver. And I listened to last week's lesson, uh, mostly because I had to cut out large chunks of you all just kind of rustling around, and it would sound very odd if we just left minutes and minutes of that. But what I didn't hear myself talk about was why specifically I gave you the book that I gave you. I told you I was going to tell you why, and then I never told you why I picked that particular book. So the traditions, holding fast to the traditions. That little book, anybody, did anybody read the book this week? Yay, all right. Uh, who was it written by? Do you remember? Somebody that lived uh, recently or a long time ago? Long time, like, yeah, in the 1600s, right? I mean, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And uh, Brother Lawrence was his name. And he was not a preacher. He was not anybody really famous whatsoever. He wrote some notes down about the Christian life. And nothing in there that you read, you went, oh my goodness, this is like the greatest thing ever. But it was perhaps comforting to hear somebody several hundred years ago 
state that this is really pretty simple, right? This is not complicated. It wasn't complicated then. It shouldn't be complicated now. It's really okay. There are some traditions that are good to hold fast to, one of which is the constancy and the cl clearness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we were talking about last week. So I apologize for giving you a gift and then I explaining the gift. That's just kind of weird. So I checked the box and now we're good to go. All right, so now... Paul has identified the airport where he is going to land the plane, right? And how do we know this? What did he start out? Finally, finally right? Yes, finally. And he does this in 1 Thessalonians as well. Uh, it's interesting. A lot of the words that he uses in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, he uses in chapters 4 and 5 of 1 Thessalonians. It's a very similar concepts. So he has identified that we are ending soon, which I think is funny because he's still got literally a third of the book left. But uh, finally, pray for us. And this is kind of the big theme as we go through today. So he's beginning his slow descent uh, to ending the letter in today's passage. So as we read over those verses 1 through 5 in chapter 3, anything that's repeated? What do you see that's repeated there? What's repeated, Josh? I'm looking at you. You, yes, you is your first blank, right? We'll start off easy and then we'll get a little more difficult. <clears throat> Actually, we're going to get fairly technical today, but I'm rolling up my sleeves. One, because Greek is coming, and two, because it's about 9,000 degrees in here. So I apologize for the heat wave, um, but there we are. All right, so you several times, and then the Lord. Now, what is, what is missing from this five, week verse, five verses that we have seen over and over and over and over and over again so far in Second Thessalonians? What phrase? He said it many times. The Lord Jesus Christ, right? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't mention him here, but guess what? He's, he's, he's going to get to it again. He's going to get to it again and again and again later on in chapter 3. All right, so let's look at some words. Finally, my brethren, pray for us. What does that sound like? Pray for us. It sounds like a command, right? An imperative. It's absolutely an imperative. Uh, this is the idea of, I need you to do something. Now, what did he ask them to do in last week's text? Do you remember there was an imperative in last week's text? Stand fast, right? Stand fast. Now, I want you to think about the physical posture involved in standing fast. It involves what? Standing, yes. I told you, we're going to start off easy. We're going to get difficult. What's the physical posture of prayer? What do you physically need to be able to do to pray? Like n nothing, right? Can you pray standing up? Can you pray sitting down? Can you pray lying down? On your back? On your face? On your knees? Where else could you pray? In a plane? Yes. Underwater? You might get a really fervent prayer there, right? <laughs> Especially if there's a problem. But... They're, the things that Paul is commanding them to do do not require skill or expertise. Stand and pray. And this is encouraging because I am not an overly skilled human being with my hands. Had I lived at this time, I would have struggled to have eaten because I, I don't really make things well. Excel wasn't invented then. I'd be like... Lynn, me and you, might be, we might struggle a bit, right? This would be a challenge for us. Uh, Paul was what? He was a what? He was a tent maker, right? So he took this 
this fine goat hair, and he wove it very tightly, and they could make these waterproof tents, and they would sell them to people, and that was good. And I, I saw somebody do this one time, and I thought, nope, I would starve. That's what would happen. I would starve. I would be the beggar that Jesus talked about in one of the parables, going, I love the Lord, but I am really poor. So, um, this, I could have been a tax collector. I probably would have been a tax collector. That's sad, isn't it? A cupbearer? I don't. No, I'm not. A, I'm not that courageous. I don't want to. I'm not a go. I'm not a bleeding edge kind of technology guy. I'm a. I want to make sure two or three of my friends have it first, and then I'll. I'll be good. Yeah, I'm, I, I do work for the government, so that's. <clears throat> Did not see that coming up in Second Thessalonians today, but yet there it is. All right. So my my point here is that Paul's commands can be accomplished by anybody. This is not requiring a tremendous amount of skill or acumen. It's stand fast and pray. And to me, this is encouraging because on my worst day, I can stand fast and pray. And on my best day, which is probably my worst day because then I'm proud about it, uh, I can stand fast and pray. And that's a good thing. So finally, brethren, because them his brothers, pray for us that the word, the logos of the Lord, the kurios, may run swiftly. Uh, this word is treko. Uh, what does it sound like? What does it look like? looks like trek, right, to travel. That it, may, that it may run hastily or have its course or be able to run the, the, the loop that it's supposed to run, which I think is hilarious because if you think about running a race, there's a specific course, and if you look at a map of Paul's uh, missionary journeys, there was a loop associated with those. It was very much a, this was his course that he ran uh, were his missionary journeys. So pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. Now we talked a little bit earlier about when the first and second Thessalonians, when those letters were written. And it was, we believe in the early 50s. So if it's in the early 50s, he's not yet completed all of his missionary journeys. So they are actually praying for him to complete the missionary journeys that he has not yet done, which is pretty cool, right? I mean, I, I don't have an opportunity to pray for Paul to complete what God's asked him to do. He's already checked that box. He's done that thing. But they did, and, and it was good. <clears throat> that the word of the Lord may, be, may run swiftly and be glorified. And both of these are in the subjunctive. So there's possibility or probability that these are going to occur, but these are, not, these are not guaranteed. So just as it is with you, which is beautiful, right? So I'm praying to be able to do what you are doing. And to have somebody that you admire in the faith state that for you would be very encouraging for them. So brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, that we may be delivered. Again, in this subjunctive, this possibility, it's to draw for oneself or to rescue that we may be rescued from unreasonable and wicked men. Did Paul and his companions ever run into unreasonable or wicked men? Every single city. Like every single... It was a guaranteed fact. Every time he went into a new city, there was going to be opposition from people that did not like Jesus and wanted to suppress, suppress the truth of the gospel. So this word unreasonable. So it's uh, atapos. And whatever we have with the word, the letter A in front of a word in Greek... That means the opposite. And we've already talked about topos before. This is the, where we get our English word topography. 
This is the, the layout of a thing or a place of a thing. So this is something that is not in its rightful place. So this is the opposite of the rightful place that God has designed for man to exist in, which is abiding by his law. And this is the opposite of that. So by out of place and hurtful or calamitous, uh, derelict, uh, there's my, my new favorite word, fascinorous. <clears throat> I'm going to let you Google that one. Uh, there's two words on the handout today that Google will not help you with. They are so old. So how about them apples? That's good stuff. Uh, so unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Now, have you experienced this in your life? Everybody you run into is a believer, right? Yes. Is that the truth? You're like, Jim, this sounds pretty simple. It is. But sometimes we need to be reminded of simple things. That not all will accept the gospel. Not all will follow Jesus Christ. And not all men have faith. <clears throat> and I've, I've, I've wondered many times if Paul was exclusively talking and referring to those outside of this church. Or there might have been some inside of this church as well. I don't know. Verse 3, But the Lord is, present indicative, right now, faithful. I love how Paul will take a concept and say, Evil men are this, and the Lord is the opposite. So evil men are atopos. They are out of place. They are improper. They're not in their rightful spot. But the Lord is faithful. Pistos. Trustworthy. Believing. He is Faithful, he is sure, he is true. Who will establish. Now, last week I talked about this word specifically because last week in Paul's prayer, in verses, uh, his prayer in verse 16 and 17, it was that God would comfort their hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And the prayer was a prayer for hoping that there's a possibility that God will make this happen. And then he follows back up in verse 3 of chapter 3, and he says, who will establish. Now, I told, you, I told you what this blank was last week. So does anybody remember what this blank was? This is extra credit right here. So it's a statement of fact. Paul believes this to be true. So what mood is this? It's the indicative mood. The indicative mood. <clears throat> Whenever we see this indicative mood, this is the author's perspective on what the author is stating. So the author says, this is fact. And this is not the same as the, it may run swiftly, it may be glorified, that we may be delivered back in verses 1 and 2. Those are subjunctive moods. Those are possibility. This has a possibility of occurring, but it's not a guarantee. The indicative in verse 3 is a guarantee. This is going to happen. And I specifically left off a portion of the definition last week because I wanted to talk about it today a little bit more. Who will establish. This is to set fast, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. In a certain direction. So this is not just, I want you to stand fast and stand any way you want to. No, no. You may have noticed anything that God asks us to do, he gives us direction on how to do it. Both in the attitude and in the actual action itself. He doesn't just leave it up to us to figure it out. Which I'm very thankful for because we, we, we screw things up like, daily. Right? I mean, this is what we fundamentally do. You look at the story of the Bible, what does man fundamentally do? We wreck things. 
right? We started this in chapter 3 of the first book, and we really won't stop until he literally destroys the world and starts over again. Like, we, we fundamentally wreck things. This is what we do. So he gives us specific direction. He says, turn resolutely in a certain direction, which is good. So God, so who's doing this? God is doing this, right? So God will turn you resolutely in a certain direction. And who, who is doing the guarding? God's doing the guarding as well. So what part do I play here? I, I'm standing. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, try not to break what he is doing. Right? So he will, he will establish you and he will guard you. And this word means to watch or to be on guard. <clears throat> so have you ever felt the need, need to be guarded in your life? You ever walked into a situation and you went, you know, I wish, I wish I had somebody that was guarding me right now. Anybody ever been there? Uh, I, one of my best friends in college was from Philadelphia. Or he is from Philadelphia. He still lives there. And he wanted to give me a tour of Philadelphia. Uh, so he took me through Kensington. I don't know if you know anything about the neighborhoods in Philadelphia, but um, I say this just as clearly as I possibly can. Uh, a redneck white boy's got no business going through Kensington uh, without a large number of weapons uh, that are on his side to be able to protect and defend whatever's going on. Uh, and what I didn't realize is that my friend knew that we could come up to a certain street and like look into it, but there was, if we crossed the street, that we we're going to be in serious problems. And I thought, I don't, I don't really know that I know enough to be, how scared should I be right now? You ever been in those situations where you go, I think I'm doing something stupid, but I don't, I'm so ignorant, I'm not sure how terrified I should be. And uh, so he tells me later on about uh, something called the Kensington Stomp. I said, the Kensington Stomp, is this a dance move? And he was like, no, it's not a dance move. I was like, oh, okay. I grew up independent Baptist. We didn't dance, so I didn't know, right? No, no clue. He said, the Kensington Stomp is where uh, they would uh, uh, capture somebody. They would beat them up. Uh, they would take all their uh, possessions. And then just to make sure they never came back in the neighborhood, they would put them uh, next to the curb. They would open their mouth, put their teeth on the curb, and then kick the back of their head. And the goal here was to break the teeth in the mouth. I was like, and you took me near this place? Like, what are you, this is awful. It's like, we needed a troop. We needed a brigade. What's bigger than a brigade? Is a battalion bigger than a brigade? It sounds, a regiment. I have no idea how many people that is. I wanted a regiment of people there, well-armed, that knew exact, no clue, no clue. And I'm actually convinced this is how we go through life the majority of the time. We have no idea how much protection we actually need because the enemy is seeking to devour, roaming the earth, seeking around, wanting to do far more damage to us spiritually than any Kensington stomp. Now, he wants to mar us physically as well so that we don't visibly look like the image of God. But God is going to guard, and I'm glad because he's a much better guard than I am. Now, we're going to do a little preposition work here real quick. Guard you from. What's the, the little three letters there next to the, uh, the from? You may see it. Apo, yes. Now, 
Uh, this is a, a really helpful Greek tool developed by uh, uh, Dana and Manti in their grammar, grammar of Greek New Testament. Uh, and it's the preposition circle, which, I mean, you, you've finally taken grammar and you've merged it with math. It's like, yes. And some of you are going, you have just destroyed all that is good and holy in the world. No, I haven't. I, I promise you had. So when you see prepositions in the Bible, this one will kind of give you an idea of what's going on. So the preposition of in is we are inside. Peri is like perimeter. It's around. Ana is up. Hooper is over. Uh, hupo is under. Kata is to go down from something. Dia is to go through. Ice is to go into, but not all the way through. Pros is to go toward, but not actually get there. We're just approaching something. Epi is upon. It kind of touches. Para is beside. Ek is out of. So we're, we were in, and now we are ek. And then here's the little word for apo. And this is what God is doing here in the guarding. He's going to guard us from the evil one. So he is going to take us away from this, which is beautiful, right? You're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, that makes sense. From, there's actually the word means something. So this is our preposition circle. It's very, very helpful when you study the Bible. Uh, if you want to go through and have something like this as far as a tool to help you with, uh, I would encourage you to have that. We actually went through this in uh, Romans, I think in week 26, 27, 28, somewhere in there. Uh, and it was a very helpful tool that I found as well. All right, so he's going to guard us. He's going to establish. He's going to set us in a certain direction. Lynn, I don't know why this is my right direction, but this is my right direction. So he's going to set us in a certain direction. He's going to guard us. He's going to be on guard, and he's going to keep us from the evil one or the calamitous one. This is the same word used back in verse 2. And then verse 4, and we have confidence. And this is a great word. We have confidence. It is um, a second perfect active indicative. This is the perfect tense. This is completed action with the results continuing. <clears throat> so the idea here is we have confidence in what God did before, that he is going to continue to do this work in the Lord concerning you. Now, what's the, what's the preposition there concerning? Epi, which is upon. So he is on us, moving us away from the evil one. It's a, it's a beautiful amount of guarding that is going on here. So we have confidence in this finished work, that something happened in the past in the Lord concerning you, both that you do right now, this present active, I'm doing it right now, and will do the things that we command, the things that we paragello. This is the transmitting messages to the things that we declare to you. And then he has what I think is another small prayer here in verse 5. Now may the Lord direct. Now, when Paul prays, what, what mood does he pray in? Do you remember? What mood does he pray in? Sometimes he prays in subjunctive, and sometimes he prays in optative. What did he pray in chapter 2? You remember? He was in the optative in chapter 2, and that's what he's praying here as well. This is in the optative mood. So now may the Lord direct your hearts. Now, you have something additional on your tables today that is not typically there for Sunday school. Every single Sunday you come in, you're going to see a copy of the Bible. Every single Sunday you come in, you're going to see the weekly update. Every single Sunday you come in, you're going to see the handouts. Uh, most every Sunday, as long as the office isn't out of them, 
uh, you're going to see pens. And today there's something extra on the table. What's the extra on the table? Paper clips. Like what in the world are paper clips doing in Sunday school? All right. Have a project. Everybody grab a paper clip. Everybody needs a paper clip. All right. Y'all have seven at your table, so you're going to smell them. Yep. Everybody got a paper clip? All right. So put your paper clip in your non writing hand. In your non writing hand. And with your writing hand, the blank here is to straighten fully. To straighten fully. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to straighten that paper clip so that it is flawlessly straight. No bends. Go. Straighten it out. We mean it broke. It's a, it's a cheap paper clip. Our office is buying like cheap paper clips. All right. When you, get it, when you get it fully straightened out, hold it up. I want to see. Fully straightened out. No bends, no kinks, no turns. Fully straightened out. Darla, you're not participating. Why are you not participating? Why is it not possible? You try to... <laughs> Darla's like, I have done this. It does not work. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know why I go there, buddy. So how many of you got it mostly straight? I think this is the Princess Bride, right? I mean, she's mostly dead. We need chocolate. Yes. No. Um... <laughs> it is, yes, that's exactly right. Dave, yours looks pretty good there. Let's see. Oh, no, you still got some bends in it, man. You got you to work on that. <clears throat> so why is this not working? All right, Mr. Bandy is saying he's got it perfectly straight. Oh, you got, you got, a, little, you got a little kink right there, brother. You got to fix that. Come on now. Mitch, Mitch is pretty good. Oh, you got a little, there's a little wiggle there. I mean, what's so hard about this? You guys are... You guys are if I had a hammer. Adults, you can, if, if you had a hammer. Man. <clears throat> you, got, uh, you got a little wiggle still there. See? Here's the way to check. You put it on the table, and then you see if it'll roll. And if it doesn't roll, it's not straight. You're like, oh, that's, a, that's this whole other level of check, right? I read it on the internet. <laughs> Only on Tuesdays. <laughs> All right. So, so why is this a problem? Like, why is this so... I mean, it's a paper clip. This is not some... We're not asking you to solve world peace here. <clears throat> Straighten the paper clip. Why was it hard? How was it hard? It's bent to begin with. Right? Yeah, So I saw a talk online this week by a man who claimed to live biblically for an entire year. He, he claimed to uh, try to follow all the Old Testament and New Testament laws. And about 30 seconds in, I realized that he had a fundamental misunderstanding of what a law was. <clears throat> but uh, the man, he really gave it a valiant attempt. He, he didn't wear fabrics that had mixed uh, uh, components. Uh, he carried around a uh, small bag in his pocket of stones in case he came across an adulterer because you need to stone them, right? He, uh, there, were, there, were all sorts of, there, were, there were all sorts of things. And he, 
he had, a, he had about a three or four minute conclusion at the end of his 15, 18 minute talk. And he came to the conclusion that he couldn't keep the law, that it was impossible. And I thought, keep going, keep going, keep going. Like the law has, it has tutored you that it is impossible. And he said, it's impossible because I just couldn't do it. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't do it. And it's the same reason we can't straighten out paper clips. It's because it's bent and it's impossible. So look at verse 5 again. Now may the who? The Lord straighten your hearts. It's because it's not our job. And when I think it's my job to straighten out my own heart, what I want to do is I want to go get a hammer. I need tools. I need instruction. I need, I need somebody who's come close to doing this right before to show me how to make this work. And the reality is it's not my job, right? Because I am fundamentally broken. I am fundamentally bent toward sin, but it is the Lord's job, and he can actually straighten our hearts. Now, it's nice that he would straighten our hearts, but what's he straightening our hearts to? Into himself. Now, isn't that incredible? The one sovereign holy being of the universe is going to put his effort, his work, into straightening us out into himself so that he can have relationship with us. Of all the things that he could do, this is what he desires to do. And, wait, there's more. <laughs> into the patience, this cheerful endurance, this constancy of Christ. And if you ever wanted to meet somebody that was patient, that was Jesus Christ. To have all the power of God and yet to endure with broken, bent people for a lifetime. That is a spectacular amount of patience. All right, so let's look at some application and personalization. So real basic stuff today. So what's the point? All right, number one, I want to make sure we don't miss the pray for us, right? Christians should pray for ecclesiastical leaders. I didn't know what box to put Paul in here. He's not their pastor. He's mostly an evangelist here, but he, he probably kicked off this church as well. So I'm just going to have a generic title like ecclesiastical leaders. So what do we do with that? Number one, uh, pray for ecclesiastical leaders, right? I mean, this is make sure you're praying for uh, the leadership. Uh, number two, not all have faith, which is, which is hard to accept, right? But... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what it is in context here. Except deliverance. Because at the beginning of verse 2, he says, Just as it is with you that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. That's the thing that is going to be done to us, is deliverance from these unreasonable and wicked men. So except with an A, not an E. Big difference here. <laughs> Theologically, except with an A. And then what's the point number three? The Lord is faithful, and I'm glad he is. So let's believe. Believe that he is faithful and believe that only he can straighten our hearts to himself. I think that would be encouragement for us because I tell you, you can continue to try to straighten that paperclip all you want. <laughs> Albert, you given up yet? <laughs> 
I was like, I'm going to do it. Yes. Yeah, you can't put it back either, right? There's lots of things that paper clips can teach us. I love little paper clips. Uh, and I could not bring myself, I could not bring myself to show a picture of Clippy, the Microsoft clip art paper clip. I was not going to do it. I felt like I felt like I would have to delete the PowerPoint forever and probably format my computer if that thing came on my computer. So just a standard, regular paper clip. Uh, so if you ever want to be reminded of God's ability to straighten us out, just be reminded of a paper clip. It's a good little object lesson. All right, so next week's text is verses 5 through 15. Uh, we welcome you to come back and study that with us. Uh, but this week, your homework is to read next week's text. Uh, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 15. Man, look at me with a typo on the power on the handout. Second uh, Thessalonians six through fifteen, and then uh, talk to somebody about the text. You can go to our Facebook group, uh, or you can go to our SundaySchool.com, uh, and you can subscribe and listen to past lessons there. So our weekly update is on the table. Uh, if you have not already put your name at the bottom to record your attendance, please do so. Uh, prayer requests are on the left. Old prayer requests are on the right. So as you read through those and pray as a group then you are dismissed. Thank you for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.